Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Overtime, a very special edition of Overtime, because this is our 100th episode. Yeah! Episode 100! Producer Christian. Christian, you do realize that you just ran with a knife and then put that knife in the camera, don't, right? Don't try that at home, kids. Yeah, if you can't hear that, he said, don't try that at home, I'm kids. I'm eating an apple, that's why. I he, the, he just runs with knives all the time. But anyway, welcome to our 100th episode. It's crazy to think that just a little less... Or maybe about two years ago we started this, but yeah. pretty excited. We are going to kind of jump in. If you don't know what overtime is, basically it is our in-depth look at our weekend message. So that's what we've done for the last almost two years, um, where we just do a deeper dive into the weekend message. So we are going to be doing that today. As always, we encourage any questions that you have, you can submit them early. If you want, you can jump on with us live if you're watching. In fact... Audio just came to my computer, so I need to turn that off. So if you are watching live, you can jump in on any of our four different platforms. Uh, it's our website, it's on Twitch, it's on YouTube, and it's on um, Facebook. Facebook. So if you are interested, you can do that or just submit them earlier. Um, but yeah, we are super excited for our 100th episode. Before we jump into kind of what we talked about on Sunday, there are a couple different announcements that we want to let you know. Number one, uh, we had a listener last week kind of say, hey, I hope that overtime isn't going anywhere. The plan is that it is not going anywhere. It may look a little bit differently in the future as we kind of navigate how we do that. Honestly, there's a lot of staff members. Right now, I'm kind of the primary staff member that does that, but then it's also the communicator. Trying to figure out how we do that because those other staff members have other responsibilities as well. So trying to figure that out out if you have the any good idea. news is we have an elder who's listening right now lk hey good to see you lk who's brilliant asked a lot of good questions and instead yeah. of sending them via email we thought he'd just come do it live with that, you so if you know lk thank him for starting uh, to do this <laughs> next tuesday at the end and just saying lk uh we could set it up to where you have your own studio in your house but yeah, anyway you have we'll, to come in here we'll get to, to that but terms. yes so yes we will be continuing over time that is our goal we're pretty excited about continuing to do that um, and so keep keep being on the lookout for that. So keep sending your questions. If you've got them, we would love to have them and we want to continue to do this. So yeah, so that is kind of the first announcement that we want to let you know about. The other thing that we do want to let you know about is that this Friday on September 24th is probably our last showing, maybe, we'll see. For now, it's our last showing of our fourth Friday flicks this coming Friday. So Last showing of the season. Of the season, yes. So we are going to kind of focus a little bit more on some Eagles games. You'll hear some of those announcements. Georgia in the next Bulldogs will be playing. They're doing really well. I guess y'all aren't going to show those. Yeah, right? we probably won't. You're the really big Georgia fan here. But some sorry. Others. And Will Wallace. He's pretty excited about Georgia. Some others. So, uh, <laughs> LK just responded saying, no way. Okay. LK won't be serving the so, Lord uh, in this capacity. <laughs> All right. So, LK, he said it, but yeah. Anyway. He won't be serving the Lord in this capacity. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, so this Friday, what we were talking about was Fourth Friday Flicks. So it's going to be a double feature again, September 24th. At 5.30, we're going to be watching the movie The Mitchells vs. The Machines. It's a brand new 2021 movie that came out on Netflix. Really good ratings, got some really good conversation starters in there for families. And then at 7.30, we're going to be watching the new Cruella movie. So if you want to come out to that, that is a PG-13. Cruella so with a W. <laughs> I didn't say Cruella. I thought you did. 
Cruella. Yeah. Um, so that is at 7.30. So just be mindful that is a PG-13 movie. So mm-hmm. that may impact. You may not want to stay with your entire yeah, family. Maybe. Maybe. Really good discussion. Later yes. In the, good discussion. Yep. So we are excited for that. So those are kind of the announcements that we have for this week. Um, this was the start of a brand new series called Parables, which we were just starting. And it was also your last message as you were moving down to Florida. So do you want to kind of give us a recap of what we talked about? And yeah, so of- strange. Um, they started a series called Parables. And here's, I mean, you got uh, Ben, Gary, Christian, they're going to do a fabulous job teaching some things I'm really jealous on. In fact, I'm going to write a <laughs> book on the prodigal son at some point. That's what I told my wife for the next two years I'm writing a book. And it's because I'd already been working on the material for that week and I've got to put it somewhere. But um, uh, so uh, parables are just a really big idea and a really small story. That's it. They can range from one to 20 verses. Most of the time they're anonymous. Lots and lots of parables in the and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in fact, 35% of the entire part of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and not John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are Jesus teaching them parables, and two-thirds of the parables are in Luke, and we get some pretty specific ones that are pretty neat, uh, lots of different ones, 18 that are unique to the Gospel of Luke. So if we're going to teach on the Gospel of Luke, which many scholars will say is the Gospel of the Holy Spirit, and it makes sense that we're going to focus in on what Jesus taught, that Luke said that he wrote so that we could have certainty of the things that Jesus taught, and what Jesus taught mostly in were parables, big ideas in small stories and yet I really didn't even use a parable in the week that we're starting it <laughs> kind of maybe on but I did want to set up the series and yeah. I bid farewell and so it's nice since we started the series with uh in parables with the word p the whole point this week we're all in p's and so if there is a message that, uh, that I think Jesus is trying to convey in Luke chapter 14, 1 through 6, which is all we covered. I've never covered just that. I mean, yeah. it's kind of weird. I don't even know if many people have ever covered just It's kind of like this little small snapshot, but right. it's so brilliant what happened here. What I think he's trying to convey, and you covered it two weeks ago to kind of tee this one up, is that Jesus is all about people. Yeah. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That is yeah. people. And so what happens in churches definitely happens in our world is... We kind of start choosing our plans, our policies, our procedures, our performance, our pleasure, you yeah. know, all those things over people. And what we see in this passage is the religious people use this person as a pawn. Yeah. And so we get to seeing it as a pawn in our religious view as or as a person and everything that's wrong in our world. This sounds really, really maybe too broad of a stroke. Everything that we do that's wrong in our world seems to kind of be when we see mm. people as objects. Yeah. Some of that is the things you look at on your computer screen or the reasons why you need to escape. Is some of it's because you haven't been seen as a person. You haven't seen other people as a person. And so there's one thing I can leave you as kind of disembark. One thing that I think has been really important in the last four years is what's been in our mind is the people Jesus love, and that's the people in our pews, not the P, but the people also in our parish. No, I don't got a P for it. Got any there? Because uh, parish no. would have worked there too. People in our parish. But anyway, and people in our community. Yeah. So, so anyway, I think that's it. How do we choose people over all these things? Yeah. This isn't the discount the policy and pl- plans that they matter. Jesus literally says, who goes and builds a building without first counting the cost? But right. I would say the first cost you got to count is the people. And so what does it look like to love like Jesus does? Yeah. And, you know, so ministry in its simplest definition is doing the things Jesus did for the reasons Jesus did it. And what Jesus did is he 
came to seek and save that which was lost. So we have a responsibility there. And so as you look at this passage, we see this stark contrast between the religious who see people as a pawn yeah. and Jesus who sees this individual with dropsy yeah. as a person and lots to learn from it. And so I think we'll get to cover that uh, in, in, um, in more detail uh, today. Yeah, and as we look through this, so this is kind of, this is Luke returning to his very similar kind of place that he's been as far as the communication, where Jesus is kind of coming against the religious leaders and the way that I'm writing it, because I'm going to be preaching this this coming weekend, it's it's really this campaign kind of against the religious leaders, right? Like he came to really destroy what they had established. Yeah, so he comes to overthrow it. Now, the interesting thing is almost all of it happens in interruptions, which you and I don't like. I don't like interruptions. We are people that like our progress and our performance, and we like to get stuff done. And sometimes interruptions mess it up. And so, yeah, Jesus has this plan. He's going to overthrow religion and politics. They are not going to be the things that are going to solve your problems, right? They're just not. And yet we put so much of our hope in these policies or these plans that we think can save us or solve our problems. And so Jesus time and time again is confronted by this very specific group. And one of the things I wanted to highlight this week, and I I think it was Driscoll who pointed this out first, Mark Driscoll, that there's, looks like from the work of Josephus who talks about this time period, that there's only about 6,000 Pharisees in the world. Yeah, right. 6,000 Pharisees in the entire world, and they keep showing up. Like, this is a small, like yeah. this is so funny, you think about a very small power, a uh, small parable story with a big yeah. idea, you got a very small group of people who are creating yeah. all sorts of havoc because they are convincing others that the plan is through performance, yeah. right? right? And so what ends up happening is that if you choose people over those things, uh, there becomes some tension there because yeah. uh, people are really hard to control. And yeah. what I've said about our church, and we've lived here for a while, it'd be a lot easier if we all thought the same, did the same, believed the same, because we'd all be on the far right, far left, and everybody would agree, and we'd point all those people as the bad people. We're going to live in the messy middle, right. where the people right. are, and the people are certainly messy, because that's where Jesus lived. And so you have these Pharisees, another P, but uh, you know, it's a, unfortunately it doesn't have that same sound. But these Pharisees, about 6,000 of them, they have their scribes. These are, this is, I mean, I guess a really small mega church, yeah. right? So these whole Pharisees are smaller than, I don't know, LCBC up in Lancaster, right? And this is a crazy thing about this group. Yeah. And then you got the scribes kind of leading them. And Jesus gets interrupted and he gets interrupted and gets invited to someone's yeah. house. So he goes to a religious leader's house and these folks are there. And it is a premeditative plan to overthrow Jesus. Yeah. Which is so beautiful that what they think they're doing is actually leading them right to a place that they don't know they're going, and Jesus yeah. does. And so this is what I love about even the, the most um, evil and demented plans, Jesus still redeems and restores. So it's yeah. like, okay, choose your plans. I've chosen my plans, and somewhere down that road, Jesus still intervenes. We see it here. And so, yep, religious yeah. Pharisees, these are... I devoted churchgoers who they're trying to figure out who has the authority. Like, is it the Torah or is it the Torah plus, you know, what the rabbis say and the oral Torah, oral traditions? And then who are the people that we hang out with? That's a very select group of people. So they're trying to sort through who has the authority and who do we connect with as Jesus shows up. And in some ways, what they're trying to figure out, is this a man I connect with? Hmm. Is this a man with authority? But they have already 
premeditatedly chosen the answers to those questions, which yeah, is right. no right. and no. And the best way to operate in the Christian faith is to start with a yes and then figure out what Jesus is asking. So they've already started out with a no before they've right. ever heard the question that he's asked. Even so. in verse 1, what, what I thought was interesting that you pointed out, it says, and they were watching him carefully. So verse 1 says, on Sabbath, he went to dine at the house of a ruler of, a Phar- of the Pharisees. They were watching him carefully. Like, so in my mind, it's just kind of like, okay, they're just watching Jesus. Like, this is, as you said, like, what's mm-hmm. kind of implied, but yeah. it's not directly said, is that this is kind of a plot. This is a ploy that yeah. they're inviting Jesus over for what purpose? Like, yeah. at this point, are they looking to kill him? Or are they're they looking, looking to put excuses? him in a position that, yeah. like, this was so interesting is that we live in these positions now. No matter yeah, what decision right. we make, people are upset and right. bothered. No matter what decisions anybody makes, there's just it's just polarizing, right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing that he's that kind of brings him. It's kind of like the bird. Is it alive? Is it dead? You know, like yeah. this and and one of the, the anyway, it doesn't matter for today. And so um, what we see here is they're actually trying to position themselves and to basically put Jesus in a conundrum where he cannot yeah. you know, solve it. Right? Yeah. So it's kinda of like the biggest conundrum in the world. Uh, okay, God is perfect yeah. and just. Right. So uh, that justice means that there is real consequences for our sins, yeah. right? And you know it because in that little, you'd call him a brat. I wouldn't because I see him as a person at the, in front of you at the checkout aisle screaming and yelling, going, I want, I want, I want. And then the mom or dad finally goes, here, just have it. Mm-hmm. And you're going, don't do that to that kid, right? You want them not to experience it. You want them to experience, you know, the discipline that they deserve, whatever that is. And so we know that we like justice and we yeah. love when that car drives around us speeding and then we see it up there with the, the police lights behind it. You're like, yeah, right. you know, I don't know why that is so broken, but we understand that we like justice, yeah. right? So if there's evil in this world, we really deserve to be punished for it. That's right. There's consequences. There are consequences for every single sin. Yeah. And those consequences always lead to death, right? So that, that's sort of one conundrum. If God is a perfect and just God, yeah. there should be consequences for that. But on the other side of that is if he is perfectly loving, how in the world could he do that? And he solves that conundrum by being both the punisher and the punishee. Brilliant. Never saw it coming, right? And so kind of the same thing. These guys are putting him in this situation where it seems to be there is no option. And Jesus somehow, like he always does, presents an option that once you look at it, you go, oh, of course that's what he would do. But they don't see it coming. Nobody sees it coming. And what Jesus is doing is he's going to be able to offer them kind of a different picture of how we view things that's outside of our policies and our plans. Well, what's interesting, so as we continue that, verse 2 says, And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Uh, And Jesus responded, and he basically asked him a question. Yeah, I'm so upset about this because, I mean, I've read this. Okay. it just seems like a terrible term, dropsy. Yeah, like, sure. I, I, I meant to spend more time on that etymology. It's like I meant to spend more time on that watching uh, in the verse before. It literally means like to stay in guard. Like okay. it's the same one that I was telling you about, like lifeguards, right? To be vigilant. So yeah. There's something like there is like they are they're watching vigilantly that watching. But that dropsy is like it's a terrible name for it because it yeah, it just has to do with swelling, right? Yeah, so right. I guess I don't even know why it's called dropsy. Yeah. And what I do know is the most appropriate person to diagnose it. And the diagnosis is writing this. Right, so right. Dr. Luke <laughs> is pointing out what this is. And the thing that I just would point out here that's really important is that this is not like, you know, some people, like we saw Norm MacDonald, funny, funny comedian, actually a believer. I don't know if you know much about Norm MacDonald. I don't. Yeah, I had a filthy mouth at times, but fell in love with Jesus and was pretty mm-hmm. open about that. But he died, maybe one of the funniest people that ever lived, but he died 
cut last week and after a, a nine-year private battle with cancer. Mm. No one knew, right? Mm. And so you know people like that that outwardly look fine. Inwardly, yeah. they're a mess. Well, what we have here is they have yeah. chosen someone who outwardly is a mess. Yeah. So no one is wondering whether or not that guy is messed up. In fact, probably as they're sitting there, nobody can look at him. You know, like those deformities where you you tell your kids not to stare and you don't look at it. My guess is that's what we see here. So this dropsy is actually something yeah. that you would outwardly really, really see right. that something inwardly is really, really messed it, up. It's a retention of, of water that's or right, fluid, yeah. right? Usually, yeah. and it's just a symptom. Okay. Now, it sounds like, yeah, it's just a symptom of something else. Yeah, Heart right. failure, you know, kidney failure, sure, or something like sure. that. Yep. I, I remember as a kid seeing a man who had, I think it was called elephantitis. Now, I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about it, but I just remember that his... His arms and his yeah. hands, like it would swell, and I just remember, like as a kid, being so concerned, yeah. like Mom, what's what's wrong with him, yeah. right? Like, so I imagine that these people saw him and yeah. weren't going, "What's wrong with him?" They're like, "Hey, come on over. You're you're mm -hmm. gonna fit perfectly into our ploy mm -hmm. or our plan." So my dad, when he, you know, I talk about yeah. Joe often when he got really sick, had to be in the hospital, yeah. in ICU, coded, all that kind of stuff. He, he had already fluid. lost a lot of weight okay. already. But literally, so he had been eaten for months sure. at this point, right? And it's going the messy things that he wasn't going to the doctor because COVID, right? Yeah. And so like, and so he finally gets there. And then, I mean, one of the big things they had to tackle was he actually was 15 pounds lighter than what he already looked like because so much fluid was being retained in his body yeah. that they finally yeah. had to get out of him. Okay. And so then he looked really, really frail. Sure. And so this is one of the things that, I mean, this... It's noticeable. Right? Yeah, 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 really noticeable. So you got these guys probably right across the table. No one else is looking at them. Yeah. And this certainly seems like really premeditated yeah. because they don't hang out with these people. They're right. assuming that this is a sinner, but they're willing to go past their three degrees of separation to put this guy in front of Jesus. Right. This right. is a setup, which is yeah. so fun to go, oh, okay, now this is the kind of Bible I'm looking for. Like, this has got all the drama. You're like, you're, this is like soap opera level yeah, right. drama, right? This is Maury Povich level drama. Like, it's pretty and interesting it's, to see. It's mm -hmm. amazing that Jesus walks into it. Like, he knows all things, like, right? Yeah. So, but he walks into it. So he's yeah. going, okay. And what's interesting, Oh, you want me to get your house? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that in verse one, we see that, and this is getting into this coming week, but yeah. verse one, we see that they were watching him carefully, but then when they take their seats, Jesus is watching them. Mm. Like, it's yeah. interesting that yeah. who's watching who? Like, so anyway, we get into And by this. the way, in this whole passage, while we are being able to figure out kind of behind the scenes. Sure. No one speaks. Yes. Ever. Right. They are right. completely silent through the whole thing. And so I actually wish I could like, this would be like a great dramatic, you know, yeah. video of just watching this, this play unfold. out. Yeah. yeah. So two says, verse two, and behold, there was a man uh, before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers saying, which is interesting because again, nothing has been said. Right? Yeah. And maybe we should even, I should probably even take a step back and we should probably talk about Sabbath a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. we're going to get to that in a yeah. second. So, the, uh, so Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And this is kind of probably the perfect place to bring up yeah. the Sabbath because this is really what they were trying to trap him in. This is what we see in chapter 13 of kind of the same thing. Jesus heals a woman yeah. on the Sabbath. And there's there's an outrage kind of of this the leader of the synagogue yeah, who's going, you shouldn't have done this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Um, and that was kind of the same in the better choices. Yeah. We get to choose people or pride, pride yeah. or policy, whatever you want yeah. to put there. Yeah. And so Jesus chose people in that moment. So 
Jesus is confronting Yeah, as you mentioned, thing. it's kind of like you already forgot about the person. Yes. Already, as Rowena, you just forget yes. about her. It's like, right. how in the world do we get so caught up in all right. this mess that we forget right. about that person? Right. Yeah. And I, I, think, I do think that that's, man, maybe I'm preaching too much of this yeah. week's message, but I think that that's the world that we live in, right? Like we just go, okay, well, that's their plight. Yeah. That's what they struggle with. That's where, where they're yeah. at. When I think that Jesus never once dismissed anybody that he was around, right? No. Like, Jesus saw them for who they were, for what they were struggling with, and that's what we're called to do is have compassion the same way that Jesus Yeah, does. and that makes us really uncomfortable and go, yes. we can't do that. And it's like, then Absolutely. you have not lived yet. Yes. Because this is what it says and even, you know, the, um, the, the Good Samaritan parable, right? He says, do this and then you'll live, yeah, right? Like, right. You enter into the joy of your master. Like, there is something about never living until right. you love your neighbor right. as yourself. And so, you think about this, you think about the Sabbath, you get these things, you go, oh, they just seem so hard. I can't quite do that, yeah. right? And it's like, no. This isn't like something to take away from you. Jesus yeah, tells us yeah. the Sabbath was given to us as a gift. And it, they would have saw that thousands and thousands, 6,000 yeah. years ago, right? When they were freed from captivity or however long ago that was, right? I'm doing the math right now. And so, you know, so long ago they would have saw that, but we see it kind of as a nuisance. What's right. interesting is this is one of the things you can hide, right? Yeah. Like I can do it. And I, I've lived my whole life in defiant of this, but you wouldn't know it yeah. because... Okay, I wasn't going out of my house and I wasn't, you know, cutting the grass. But sure. boy, was I consuming a bunch of stuff like, uh, you know, yeah. uh, particularly news or Twitter sure. or whatever it is. I get a day and I just consume it with all mm. the stuff and none of that is life-giving. Right. And so this is something that we think is like a, ah, I guess we can follow if you want to. No, this is straight up yeah. sin. Yeah. You are walking in arrogant defiance against a holy and perfect God when you don't do this. Yeah. And so, like, we judge people for their sexuality or whatever else it is. This is yeah. a grave error that somehow we've just bypassed in the church because it's like a holy sin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like even, so, as we think about obedience versus disobedience, partial or delayed, it's like, no, no, no. This is yeah. what God has mandated for us. And once we start to live in that, we start to experience the freedom from yeah. it. Yeah. But it's, again, one of those things that you don't experience till you start doing. Yeah. So there's one thing that I, I've learned over the last year, and many. I had a great conversation with Bud Neiman uh, this Sunday, and he, he was just appreciating kind of my tenure. But what mm -hmm. he was telling me, and it's a really neat conversation, was how much, and I've heard this several times, how much the last year of my journey, mm -hmm. going from you know kind of a painful spot mm -hmm. into kind of light has meant for so many people mm -hmm. watching it and saying, hey, I can see the evidence. Ronda sure. Malina mentioned the same thing. I can see the evidence sure. of these things. And the reality was, I think when I look back at it, I started living like there is evidence of that mm -hmm. even before it became a real mm -hmm. reality. Like yeah. I started understanding who God was and walking in the Declaration of Freedom and making these statements long before I felt them. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about that. And so yeah. this is like the Sabbath. It's like, yeah, you've, it's going to kind of come long, a long way around. But as you continue to do the Sabbath, it just does some really neat things in your own soul and life, but it yeah. actually does some really neat things in your relationships. Yeah. That's where I think I missed it the most was just not being present hmm. with the folks that God had connected to my people, right? To yeah. go to love and be loved by. Yeah. And so the Sabbath is an opportunity to do those things. And many of us miss it in our, uh, in our pace of life. So yeah. so I do want to talk a little bit and kind of pause a little bit about Sabbath. Like, I don't know if there's anything yeah. that you want to talk about historically. Like, you, you kind of already mentioned that this is, you know, what was supposed to be a blessing kind of turns into a burden because it's the religious 6,000 are kind of making all these rules. And you yeah. even talked about the 39 uh, law of, laws of Shabbat. Yeah, right? and I want to call, I, yeah, I messed it up too, so I won't even try to use any other Hebrew <laughs> words. And so, yeah, so it became like, 
Yeah. I mean, imagine if you got 39 rules you're trying not to break. Imagine yeah. the and anxiety. And you made a 40th one, which I thought was mm-hmm. good. Not to have too much high of an expectation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For for the Eagles. Yeah, so. sorry guys. I don't even know how they did yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, uh, they, they, they lost. Oh, sorry guys. Yeah, um, but anyway, so as you think about this, like imagine like just the anxiety of that. Like think about like, I, I don't have it too much, but I know a lot of people who have a lot of test anxiety. Like leading up to a big standardized test, there's feeling all sorts of like angst and angst and angst and angst. So like if you have that kind of test anxiety, it gets pretty complicated. But then. Right, so you're feeling all this angst, and so imagine walking the Sabbath every single week, yeah. having to you know perform this test perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're trying to perform it perfectly, it's got to be really, really overwhelming, and so it just creates even more tension of this. So the very thing that was supposed to give you life, yeah. that was the whole was a gift from God right. to give you life and to experience Him in His fullness, is actually the thing that's taken away so much right. of it. And these folks had all their other rules that they were beating down, and here comes a man with dropsy right in front of him, and he's going, well, I think that might be healing. Yep, that yeah. falls in the uh, list of don't do's. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's where we get this really complicated thing. And really, the, the saddest part is, these guys, however many there are, we'll say 6,000 Pharisees, like, they were not living full life right. at all. And the reason I know that is because I know what that experience is like. Right. And here's what happens when you don't Sabbath, when you don't rest. It's not even about, you know, like we think it's about just a rejuvenation. Some of it is actually a mindset that I had to remember that life goes on without me, hmm. right? Like yeah. something, one of the lies that gets in my head is, Oh, goodness, like nothing will happen. It won't get done. It won't get done the right way if I'm not in the middle of it. Right. So part of this, honestly, Sabbath is a time to remember that you're not God. Yeah. You're not God. That's a really important part. You pause, you don't do something, and you're not God. The other thing, it just helps you prioritize stuff. Some of those stuff can wait, right? right. Or some of the things don't matter at all. Some of those things actually do get worked out as you're not doing it. So you got those things. But really, when I think about Sabbath, what I really had a hard time with is thinking that Sabbath was me just sitting still for a whole day. Like, don't do anything, don't do anything. And to me, don't do anything, don't do anything. It's just like the 39 laws, (laughs) right? right. There's one more thing, don't do it, don't do it. And so the way that I try to describe the Sabbath is for six days, God created, right? right? And then he rested and enjoyed Right. His creation. So on day seven, he is experiencing the first six days, right? Yeah. So even today, when we're talking about goodbyes, part of the goodbyes is acknowledging the blessings of life, yeah. right? And even like when I do funerals, one of the things is sitting down and having people kind of revisit someone's life, how it's right. well lived, right. because right. there's something about that as that experience happens. And so you got creation, and then what I'd argue is recreation. Mm. That is experiencing it, the 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 majesty of creation. Yeah. So six days God created, seven day he recreated, which is interesting because that yeah. is the word recreate. Right, right. You know, that's how, like camping comes in the category of recreation, right? Right, right, right? And so some of that is going, how do you get to experience creation again? Yeah. Like, so what is it that fills your bucket? If part of your experience of experiencing creation and appreciating it and pausing is fishing, yeah, then right. go do it. Hunting, right. go do it. Riding a bike, go do it. So this isn't about like... It's not fun. doing nothing. No, it's, it's, it's just like... pausing and to enjoy what n- God has created. Not to work, not yeah. to progress, but actually just to... So just to experience and have that cup filled. So there is yeah. some rejuvenation that happens with the recreation, right? And so for me, what I had to learn that I really enjoy hanging with my kids. Yeah. And I really enjoy watching movies with my kids, right? Yeah. And, I, so, and I really enjoy hot wings. So, <laughs> so a Saturday for us is, and they like pizza. So Saturday yeah. is we don't have any chores. 
Georgia football is on, you know, okay. uh, in the fall. If not, we're always pointing towards the evening as some movie we'll watch in sure. our basement. Sure. And so, and we're sitting out by the pool. So it's their favorite day because they don't mm. have any chores. Now, yeah. one of the reasons that I think Sabbath works well for us and they appreciate it is we have expectations the other six days. Yeah. Right. right? And there are right. things that need to get done and we commit to doing those. Right. Something about really, really committing to the Sabbath and going, nope, I'm going to do that actually makes you more intentional with your six days at work. Yeah, right. And so there's a lot, and so and then the added benefits of that, of being more productive, actually sure. allows you to have this day of just rest. And I didn't know that, mm-hmm. right? Not Then it was, well, I'm supposed to spend time with my wife, but I guess for her, she likes to shop. But that's a time suck for me. It's miserable, mm-hmm. right? right? And so right. Yeah. I was trying to navigate what this is. Yeah. And going, so that was the hard part of trying to figure out my Sabbath and her Sabbath are not the sure. same thing. Sure. So how do we, like, and so I had a mentor kind of say, okay, when you got little kids, one of the things that they suggested was, how about you take the morning for Sabbath, do whatever it is that fills your cup, and then you come home, hang with the kids, mm-hmm. and let Julie take the afternoon. And so there are some, you know, negotiations in sure. those things. But basically it's anything that takes away joy and peace and hope yeah. like anything that's the anti-fruit to the spirit you need to nix it for that day yeah, yeah. right so that you can start experiencing the kind of life that god actually created yeah. for us and so I, it's only been in the last five years really the last two years where that's been really really you know, yeah. significant in my life i feel like for me one of the things that i do for sabbath and i try and do that either friday or saturday it really yeah. depends on the schedule like it's it's one of those two and part of that is because sunday for us is work days mm-hmm. right so um, for me, one of the things I do not do is I just don't get into the emails. Like yeah, I don't want right. to respond. I don't want to see them. I don't even like my phone, like text messages. Yeah. I'll still kind of be aware of that, but I just, I don't want to get into that yeah. because it's usually that entails work or communication or follow up or something. So for me, I, I recognize that like, and, and sometimes I just take the entire weekend. So Thursday night when I'm done working yeah. from Friday till Monday morning, I try and ignore it. If it is a work-related yeah. one come Sunday, I'm kind of paying attention. Yeah. But really, my response is Monday through Thursday. Yeah, I feel bad because if someone reaches out to me on Thursday, I'm not responding at all if I would do yeah. respond, you know, yeah. uh, on Monday, right? So yeah. I was like, hey, I've been waiting. It's like, well, sorry, I, I don't. I don't look at those things yeah. for the most part because I got a family right. and I want to minister to them. And me exhausted is not a healthy pastor right. or healthy right. Right. Uh, husband. Right. So all the life comes from this, so weird, just this day, just yeah. this day of actually starting to experience that. Now, I would challenge you that don't, what I've learned, and this is more, hang on, I'm not going to talk too much longer, so it makes sense to offer some of this. I have learned to create Sabbath uh, rhythm, not only just weekly, but daily. Mm. Yeah. So not like I gotta read a bunch of Bible, but I usually at least thirty minutes a day, if not an hour. A lot of times it's right there in that recliner. I'll just sit and just do nothing. Yeah, I'll just do nothing, and I'm, sometimes I'll grab my phone and play the Bible app, and sometimes I'll just sit there or just read a scripture and, mm-hmm. and just kind of sit and think for about thirty minutes. So that actually, those two things have probably been the things that have been the mm-hmm. most life giving and sustaining for me. Yeah, so, yeah. I do. Yeah. I feel like we've already partially answered this question, but I'm going to just state the question by one of our listeners that said, um, on Sunday, Josh made this statement, if you're not experiencing the Sabbath correctly, then you're not experiencing life. Can you explain, and I, I should say, can you explain any more yeah. than what we already have, yeah. um, what the Sabbath correctly looks like and how that relates to experiencing life? Yep. So let's think about the source of life, and let's think about it this way. Let's imagine this is that Mountain Dew in here. It's not water. It never is. <laughs> and I know I didn't drink it for a while, but I am, and it, it tastes lovely. That's right. And so if I'm going... I really, really want to experience that Mountain Dew, yeah. right? And I drink it, drink it, drink it, drink it, and drink it, 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 drink it all the time. Just always do it. Eventually, this cup runs out. Yeah. And 
no matter how much I want to experience that Mountain Dew again, it is impossible. Right. Until until the cup gets filled back up. I mean, this is right. just practical, practical. There is a, yeah. there's a, you know, and so when I said that today about uh, this weekend about not experiencing life, we got to think mm. about this. And Jesus literally tells us this. He says, the enemy, the thief, and he's talking about sheep shepherds, you know, picture of the evil one, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. None of us would argue that probably. Right. Yep, there's right. there's things that just suck all the joy out of our life. It's painful, and, and there's just those things. But he says, but I come to give you life, and life to the fullest right. or in abundance. And so what I've learned, it's not about, here's my old pattern. Drink, 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 get empty. Oh, gosh, okay, sit still, figure it out. Have this hit a wall. Have this come to Jesus for yeah. a couple of weeks. The cup gets filled back up. Drink, 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 drink. Next quarter, hit a wall, yeah. you know, repent, all those kind of things, and just keep filling it up. But the way that the picture works is this cup can stay full. And what happens is as God continues to pour into this cup, there's actually an overflow. Mm. And I and my family gets to experience the overflow. Yeah. The real life happens in the overflow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this wasn't ever meant really to be in a big deficit. And we didn't, mm. Mm. I wasn't taught that. We were taught to work hard and then rest to fill it back up. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the reality is when you get to, it, sometimes you don't have enough time to experience all the goodness of the overflow. Yeah. So you need a day to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in a normal world, you're spending time with God every day. You're seeing him. Some, almost all that has to do with gratitude and awareness. Yeah. So positionally putting yourself before God and seeing the good that's around us, even in the middle of bad, like rejoicing. And that what happens is that continues to produce an overflow. But that overflow, I mean, it can be given to other people, but you don't really get to enjoy the overflow unless you pause and create yeah. some kind of container to do it. So to me, Sabbath is about enjoying the overflow, yeah, right. right? And so think about God. Six days, boy, did he create life. He literally created life. So life was being created yeah. in those six days. Then on day seven, he got to look yeah. and go, look at this overflow. Yeah. Look at this life. And so the, the, to live in abundance, an abundance mindset is more about ha, uh, having an experience where you get to enjoy the overflow of it. But yeah. that doesn't happen unless you pause enough to do that. Yeah. And one of my big pains in life and mess ups and even here is going, I want to get more stuff done. Got to get yeah. more stuff done. There's always a new, uh, you know, a new frontier. Go, 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 right, go. Right. But as you notice around here, there's not really a real culture of celebration and appreciation. Right, right. And... Uh, I'm bummed by that because we should have penciled in more time mm. to celebrate and appreciate. And so that's where I challenge you once a week to do that because yeah, yeah, there is yeah. so much. I mean, just the word appreciation, its definition literally means to add value. Yeah. A house appreciates. Yeah. So there's value added as you appreciate, but you got to make the time to do it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yet. no, I think that's good. And I feel like what I, I would want to add is yeah. that give, give yourself permission. You'll probably have to figure out what that means. I think that there's a growing kind of curve or like you're figuring out Sabbath. I still yeah. feel like I don't have it. I don't have my perfect rhythm of, okay, this yeah. is what it looks like. Yeah. I, now I have made significant steps to kind of figure out to go, okay, email can't be a part of it because it just sucks me back into, I have to do or I have mm. to do this. And I just, I just don't need any part of it. So I think that it, you grow through it. And yeah. I've even, um, one of the podcasts that Josh actually turned me on was a leadership podcast by Kerry Newhoff. Yeah. And occasionally in his long kind of form podcast, the, it's interesting to hear how some leaders manage their time yeah. where sometimes they're they're taking multiple Sabbath yeah. where one's kind of for them and one's for their family. Like, and if that works yeah. for you and you can do that, do that. But it's just kind of what I've learned is that it's a figuring out. So yeah. don't let go of that desire to have a Sabbath, 
but you're going to have to work through yeah. that and figure that out. But it will ultimately bring life if you can do that. Yeah, let me offer one more thing there. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, belabor this, but so one of the questions that you got to figure out is, okay, when I'm doing Sabbath, let's say it's whatever it is you do, video games or, yeah. you know, work out, work out, work, yeah. work out. One of the questions you have to ask is, does this, is this habit leading me to escape life mm. or is it enhancing mm. my life, right? Yeah. Escaping my life versus enhancing my life. Yeah. Because if it's something that is escaping that's not Sabbath. Yeah, right. That's just avoiding the empty cup. Right. right. Right? But if it's something that enhances that, now you get to taste. Like, that's why I love the senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's multiple yeah. senses to experience, to see, to taste, to touch, to, yeah. you know, all those things, to hear. So if this is actually enhancing this fully alive life, sure. go that way. So is it, am I escaping life or am I enhancing life? And I just said that for the first time ever. Yeah, right here on number really 100. Good yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like, and that doesn't even mean that it's something bad. Like, for example, no. I feel like for for me, it's video games, which can bring life. But yeah. I also found myself in the last 15 months yeah. of going, man, I'm, I might be playing this too much. Like, I, yeah. I think that this is just how I'm not working through. So yeah. I feel like there's been a course correction within the last two months or three months yeah. or whatever it's been of going, hey, that's not just life. So yep. that's, use that's the senses thought. to experience and enhance life. Yeah. Better, yeah. So kind of jumping back into the text. So they're kind of arguing that there shouldn't be a any type of miracle well, on the we don't know well, i mean we think that's what they're arguing yeah they're right. not talking presumably yeah. yeah but so verse four says uh so jesus asked this question right so yeah. in verse three he says is it lawful to heal on the sabbath or not and verse four says but they remained silent um then he took him and healed him and sent him away i love that part where it's just he sent him away it's like healed all right yeah. go ahead you don't uh, have to be a part of this yeah you're good you're this, good this yeah, is gonna yeah, get yeah, ugly yeah. why don't you just go they're gonna cry tell me complicated hey you're <laughs> Go run a marathon. You're yeah, good now. Right. And I, I'm, man, I'm so curious. Like, and this is a question I'll probably have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven or ask that man. Like, so is healing, if it's a retention of fluid, did it just miraculously disappear? Was it, would, was he someone that was, yeah. you know, large and then all of a sudden he wasn't? Like, I'm yeah. so, so curious. So, uh, if dropsy is a symptom, he didn't just fix yeah. the symptom, he fixed right. the cause of the symptom. Right. right. Yeah. So just complete healing. And they yeah. just remained silent. So he said, ask a question. They um, and I'll do this sometime in staff. I'll leave it too long and just the silence. Sure. So I don't know how long you just drug that out. I don't know if it's three minutes right. or thirty minutes. Yeah. Right. Like I don't know, but whatever it is, one of the things I know in those moments of silence, our brains start to think, and it gets the longer the silence, the more the awkwardness. Yeah. Sure. Right. And so this is, I'm telling you, this is. I mean, it has all the. I mean, it has all the kind of the components of a really funny sketch or a really yeah, dramatic really one. Like, here it is. And so it's just silent. And then he just goes, okay, you're good. See ya. <laughs> so but what I would believe is that they would have physically saw him go, you know, yeah. like shrink back down. To where they couldn't, like, like that, how did they that, argue that? That kid in uh, Willy Wonka, you know, like, whoa, yeah, yeah, like yeah. His, The blueberry or Yeah, I don't it was. think it goes well for that kid. But yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah. so. I don't think we get Gosh, the end of that. that. So it's kind terrible. of a weird movie. Yeah. But anyway, um... So yeah, so they remain, remain silent. Jesus heals him and sends him away. Verse 5 says, And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? Yeah, so this is, it's brilliant. And this is what made me think about kind of the people piece, right? Yeah. And so this is why I like the kind of the parable aspect. Not really a parable, but you see this kind of like, okay, now let's imagine this. Yeah. So it's more pointed. So I wouldn't even put it in a parable category, but yeah, it fits. And uh, so what we see here is Jesus is now 
trying to make this personal, yeah. right? Because it's not policies or procedures. It's personal. It's personal. It's a personal thing. And so yeah. he connects it. But interesting, the way he connects it is first he appeals to, like, those who probably have some empathy still. Yeah. Like, hey, Josh, you have, you love your son. Yeah, you, right. You know, it's just many of us are kind of in that category. But he also appeals to the, the sociopath. Yeah. Who goes, look, even if you don't like people, don't care about people, it's all about performance and progress. Yeah. You care about your oxen yeah. because that's how you, you know, get your fix. Yeah. So anyway. he's appealing both to the heart and to the head yeah. in this, which is so brilliant of him. And this is why even when you see him on the Sermon on the Mount, which of you by worrying can add a single day of your life? That's the logic. You know, see the yeah. birds, that's the, you know, the fluffy. But in this moment, he's actually appealing to both sides. So, hey, you're a sociopath. Okay, yeah. here it is. Right. Hey, you're a workaholic. Who's, okay. Hey, for those of you who still have something left in your heart here, right, right. how many of you would just leave your kid in the well? Right. The correct answer is no one. Right. But the broken, worldly answer is many. Yeah. And so you see that happen. So he's 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 literally trying to make this personal. Yeah. He's trying to give them an understanding, which I think it's like, man, they didn't see this guy as someone's son. Yeah. So this is worse than being in a well. Yeah. This is, right, tomorrow you give him a rope, you get pull him out. This is every day of his life. This is his experience, right? Yeah. So he's really kind of honing that in. And that's why I just thought, man, what a great gift. God, this would be my last sermon. Yeah. Because if there's anything I've wanted to do is I've wanted to actually help us see people as people, yeah. right? Yeah. Brene Brown says it, it's hard to hate up close. Yeah. And it's so true, right? That's even why it gets more complicated as we think about um, uh, people, Muslims, or people yeah. of different uh, sexuality that are your neighbors, are your kids, or whatever it is. It is a lot more complicated yeah. when you know them and love them than just put them in a general category. Right. Right. And so Jesus is taking everybody out of general categories and placing them in front of people as real humans. So I think wholeheartedly, if you can make your life about people, it will go well for you. And, uh, you know, there is, a, I think, uh, yeah, so there is kind of, well, you still need policies, you still need procedures, you need all those things. And in some ways, yeah, absolutely, that's true, because our world is broken. Yeah. But the reason we need all these things is because most people haven't made it about other people. Right, right. So, and it's a broken, fallen world. Like, you, right. it's like, even like when you kind of see a glimpse of an Acts chapter 2, there are people who've made it all about people. Yeah. Everything common. Then there's some others who didn't. They just in and asked yeah, and stuff right, out, right? right? And so, yeah, and God give us, gives us go, government and Romans, you know, he talks about it for our safety, right? So yeah. that's policy, that's procedure, that's plan. But that's actually in a, an absolute response to the fact that his children... God's people have yeah. not always made it about other people. Yeah. So in a perfect world, in heaven, we don't need the policies or procedures or plans because it's about loving God and loving others. Yeah. But in a world that's broken, so he tries to narrow it all down and ask those questions, and yeah. then he heals them, and it's still yeah. silent. Yeah, and then verse 6 to the last one says, and they could not reply to these things. Like, yeah. and, I, and I imagine in my mind, you know, if he is, you know, he's maybe swollen from fluid or, or retaining water whatever that is and then all of a sudden he's healed how do they deny that like right so and then even with the questions of going if i have a son or an ox who would not leave that because then that creates another question if you would leave your son or an ox well you, there's probably more issues that you have to work through and figure yeah. out than if you were you would pull them out but either way they're kind of in a place where they can't answer yeah because they don't want to, right? Like that was kind of what you were alluding to on Sunday. So what's so devastating, and I think it's like, I never, not, you know, I love the scriptures, read through the Gospel of Luke, probably more than the other, or except for maybe John. And uh, this, this astonished and shocked me as I was thinking about it this week and even yesterday morning, that idea of that could not mm. 
like literally incapable of. Yeah. And so, and Hebrews, and this is why, like I, I started the sermon really talking about unity because yeah. there's going to be differences of opinions. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be uh, gaps that need to be filled in terms of mm-hmm. not knowing all the information. There's going to be misinformation. There's going to be miscommunication. And there might even be some poor decisions at that. Mm-hmm. Just part of life, right? But all of that is not the real issue. The issue is mm-hmm. division. And so there's just this call, and I just plead with you here that we would be united in yeah. this, like united loving each other really, really, really well. Because in Hebrews chapter 3, I think it's verse 13, Jesus actually gives us, through the author, he tells us this, that encourage one another daily, Hmm. as long as it's today, so that no one becomes hardened Hmm. by sin's deceitfulness. So here's what happens. Sin, as it creeps in, if it's not encouraged to get cleaned up, and there's a couple things, encourage one another, that that means to really speak life into, both in the exhortation and in the correction, all those things, like speaking life into, so encourage one another daily. Two things there. One, we speak life into one another, power life into us, we challenge one another because we love each other, and we're all united for the same purpose, which is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. So first, we have to encourage one another daily. The second one is this, uh, not just encourage, but it's the daily piece. So it's not just that you have to encourage, you actually have to do it daily. Yeah. Daily. So you got two different pieces here. One, you gotta encourage. Two, you gotta do it daily. Meaning we have to stay united. Not just yeah. once a week on a Sunday, not just twice a month or whatever. It's like we are a united place where we have to speak life. And I would just ask you in the middle of all this that you would speak a lot of life in our staff. By the way, in a few weeks is October, and October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I would challenge you, this is probably uncomfortable you're here, I would challenge <laughs> I you to view to that team as all the shepherds of your church, right? If they got the title pastor, yep, appreciate them, add value to them, speak life into them. If they don't have the title pastor, they're still pastoring you, and so would you just please love them. Look, I understand it's been a hard season for a lot of people, and I, I just have walked with our team here, and it's been grueling. It's been grueling. It's been painful. Uh, most days they are faced with decisions that they will need to make for the mission of the gospel that will disappoint people. And so there's just something about this idea of being united and encouraging one another daily. So would you do that? Would you do the same thing for our elders? Would you just encourage them and pray for them and give them gifts? Right? Like love them well, right? Encourage them daily as long as it's today. So that means there's an urgency. We're not putting off to tomorrow. As long as it's today, let's do that. Encourage one another daily, as long as they, so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is the picture of chapter, verse six. And they could not reply. And I'm convinced what that is implying that they could not reply is that their hearts were hardened. Yeah. Like this is psycho, psychopathy or sociopathy or whatever it is, right? These are, this is what you see here. People who no longer see people as people. That's what serial killers are. They see those humans out there as a video game. I mean, it's devastating. It's devastating. But yeah. there is a progression that happens. And it's really easy to do from far, far away. There's generalizations that can be made. There can yeah. be all sorts of stuff. So the people who say the stupidest things, in your opinion, on Facebook are still God's children. Mm. Right? And so the people that, you, that cut you off in traffic who hate your God. They're still God's children. He loves them. And so we got to figure out how to continue that. And the only way, from what I can tell, to do that is to be in community daily, which is why I would plug right here with a few minutes. Cal, tomorrow night, you should show up and be in community. You might be like, I don't want to do a class. 
there'll be one for you. It'd be worth your time. But just come have a meal. Start getting to know each other and stop going, well, they never reached out to me. They never, we are saying, there is an opportunity that you can have some ownership in to lean fully in. I promise you, there is a platform for you to lean as far in as you want to and be caught. And so just would challenge us as we try to love each other to find some community, right? You'll uh, imagine there'll be more small groups getting started. And some of the reasons they haven't is because we don't have leaders. And so could you be one that goes encourage one another daily as long as it's today so that no one becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is scary and this is real. And so the, the warfare plan for protecting us from being sociopaths and psychopaths is actually just unity and community. So in this passage, I mean, it is devastating. And it says they could not reply to these things. The worst passage in all scriptures, in my opinion. That, that one gives us a good thing. And it's in Romans chapter 1 when you're reading about kind of all the broken and moral stuff. And a lot of people use it with their bullhorns. See, see, God doesn't like homosexuals. That's not at all what it's saying. He loves homosexuals, by the way. Loves them with his whole heart. So it's always to point out someone else who sins different than yours to kind of to point that out and see, that's it. No, no, no. That, uh, what God is showing us in that passage is how broken all of us are. There's yeah. kind of a, it's a big umbrella to grab all of us and put us in a category of we are right. sinners in right. need of a savior, right? But the worst part of that passage is, is where it says, Paul tells us, and God turned them over to their desires. Yeah. There is just this, there's this crossing over point, right. right? This is the slow creep to a massive plunge. There is a place where you run out of room and there is a plunge. And I pray to God that God would not turn you and I, definitely my kids, ever, pray for your kids, over to their desires. And what happens here is these guys got turned over to their desires. Yeah. And what's really interesting is they thought their desires were godly and righteous. Right, right. They thought they were godly and righteous. And so when you see this, like I, it just breaks my heart. And I don't want that for you. Definitely don't want it for me. So we've got to encourage one another that we'd ask God that he continue to bring us back and not allow us to chase after just our pleasures, but to chase after the people that he loves. If you'll do that with the Holy Spirit inside of you, then everything else will take care of itself. One of the things you said on Sunday was that you you kind of, you said, I beg you to reply to these things, or at least that's, that's yeah. how I wrote in my yeah, yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I thought that that was so good because I think that so here's a decision that these Pharisees, these religious leaders were faced with, yeah. and they could not, and it was all about pride, right? Yeah. Like, so they couldn't get past their pride. And I feel like that's such a great question of going, when I'm faced with my pride, how do I respond? Yeah. And I think that I am very much like the Pharisees and probably all of us as human beings on some level. The longer you've been a Christian, right. the more you've been that Absolutely. way, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, it's so much easier to go, no, that's not right, and to just not even think the other direction when I think that that's kind of what Jesus is so humbly and gracefully believe it or not in this passage doing he's pointing it out so that they can make a decision yeah. and I think that when we're faced with a decision man we've got to we've got to really look at that and evaluate it not choose to ignore the other side of that yeah so one thing that's really good to bring up and yeah I want to hit that point home a little bit more but um like even with my kids, I think about when I'm asking them questions or even though I was removing just the complications of all that or if they yeah. get in trouble, there's these two things that keep going up. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. And I wanted to say, you do know and you can. Yeah. Right? That's the reply. It's you do know and you can. Yeah. And what you do know is there's a God who loves you and has called you to live according to his purpose. Yeah. And without his purpose, you will never be fully alive. Yeah. And his purpose is his people. 
His purpose is his people. So you you do know you gotta just love your neighbor. Yeah. You do know you gotta be more gracious to the person behind the cash register. You do know it is all about his people. And so you do know, and you go, but I can't. And it's like you can. Yeah. You can. You can if you choose his people. Choose his people. He will sustain you and. He will fulfill you, and he will empower you. Instead of answering these questions, right? So what happened is these guys said no to Jesus, came up with the conclusions of why they couldn't, why they shouldn't, and the answer was no. You start with yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I know. And then you just start moving in it and start living this way. Start living like Jesus is living through you, even before you actually see it. Start living that way and watch the empowerment that comes with it and watch what it's like to live fully alive yeah. in it so it is this is this is an urgent message to go yes you can yes you know and it is to love people and love god that's it now one last point i'll make here probably the maybe for some of you the most important point luke 10 27 that is the story of the good samaritan uh this is where uh how do you inherit eternal life and he says, you know what you have to do. And he quotes Deuteronomy, but he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right. That's it. You do know and you can. But what's really interesting is that love your neighbor as yourself. I am convinced many of us, and I share this all the time, just want to kind of beat it down one more time. And this is that many of us are not capable of loving our neighbor as ourself mm. because we actually are loving our neighbor as ourself. We just don't love ourselves very much. Yeah. Yeah. So one of That's the worst things that happened to me last year was first this like this absolute beat up of you messed up, you don't know what you're doing, all these kind of things, and just feeling all the shame. And there comes a point you have to stop beating yourself up because Jesus was actually already beaten up for those things. So receive it, acknowledge it, you know, confess it, and receive the grace that comes in it and start living that life like you are free and righteous child of God. And so the other thing, bring it all back to the Sabbath, is a Sabbath is an opportunity for us to actually hone in the skills Mm. of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, like really with your relationships with your family, all of your mind, literally with your intellect, right? Like that, love the Lord with all your soul, literally the spiritual, meditate on the scriptures, and love your Lord our God with all your strength. There is something about your physical body so if there's a kind of a category to think about what you can do on the Sabbath in preparation for loving your neighbor as yourself, it's your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. Add some categories in there and start finding some things that give you life in all four of those categories, yeah. right? Give you life in all four of those categories. And so as you do those things, as you should do those things, and find community to encourage you in it, what happens is the natural byproduct is it gets a lot easier to love your neighbor yeah, right. as yourself. Right. And what Jesus says is do this and you surely will live and so that is kind of that you know we have all these cute mission statements and trying to figure out what the church stands for all this kind of stuff and we have some pithy taglines and we got making a simple feel to connect to jesus and one another and we're going is that too ambiguous we can't have a kind of like a a, a a couple words that describe that the environment here at our church everyone's welcome nobody's perfect anything's possible like just kind of the picture of what we think yeah. the kingdom looks like and we've even been working a little bit more fine-tuned on we want to make it simple for you to take your next step yeah. with jesus through the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God forever. And going, okay, well, what does that look like? And the next step is actually just starting to love your neighbor yeah. as yourself and starting to consider that. So as we even think about mask mandates and mitigation strategies and yeah. all these things, we got to think about it in the context of that, not a pawn, but a person yeah. who's right in front of us that we can love well. You do that, this church won't. Yeah. It'll be amazing. And I have no doubt yeah. it's going to happen. Can't wait to see it from afar. Can't wait to celebrate it. And it has nothing to do with 
if there is or when there will be another senior pastor, has everything to do with a church body, right. the ecclesia being called on purpose to love their neighbors right. as themselves. So a really urgent passage to challenge us to start living in that. Yeah, I feel like the I wanted to add this thought of going, as you're working through what it means to actually love your neighbor as yourself, and then when you recognize that you missed an opportunity, don't beat yourself up over it, right? Like, I think that's I think that, you're, that was such a good point to bring up that a lot of times we just don't love ourselves. So we love our neighbors exactly how we love ourselves. We don't do well with that. So in that, when you do recognize and you missed something, uh, God is showing you that and revealing that. Maybe there's some conviction there so that you can continue to walk the path that he wants you to. So don't beat yourself up. Don't get discouraged. Don't get so overwhelmed by that that you're you're yeah. just like, oh, well, what's the point? I missed it again. Yeah, so that might be the good way to wrap this all up, right? right? And so if you are doing that, if I am doing that, it's actually because I actually haven't fully grasped the gospel. Yeah, right. I haven't. So what I want to point out, kind of the last big aha we talked about Sunday, is I want you to think about this man with dropsy. Yeah. He just got showed. He just got asked to show up someplace. He didn't know why. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to be there. Maybe he's a brother-in-law. Yeah. I have no idea why he's there. Yeah. But he's there around a bunch of religious people, and it's got to be a terrible environment. But he's there. He showed up. That's the only part he had. Yeah. He showed up. And all the salvation that comes from him just happened to be because he was in the presence of a yeah. living and holy God. And so, can I challenge you all as you think about everything in our church Moving forward is how do we remove the obstacles that make it easy for people mm. to show up? That's it. Yeah. Maybe it's to a drive-in movie. Maybe it's to a disc golf course. Yeah. But how do we remove whatever the obstacles are to make it simple for people to just show up? Yeah. And would you show up with them? Like, mm. how can you just show up? Because that is your only part in the gospel. So if you're still beating yourself up, it's because you actually haven't fully grasped the gospel, which is Jesus was already beaten up. Yeah. Either you believe that's true and you can walk in the freedom that comes with that or you can continue to tell yourself and your arrogance of pride, I know that seems mean to say, that that what you did, the decisions you made weren't actually covered by Jesus's death on a cross. Yeah. But they were. And so if you can grasp that, this guy did nothing but show up and Jesus did all the work and he left in absolute freedom. He just got sent away. Absolute freedom. He didn't even have to stay in the muck and mire. Yeah, Not right. only did he just show up, Jesus saved him and removed him from the mess and put him on the yeah. path of eternal life. I'm not telling you it's all going to be perfect and easy and all your, you know, your ailments are going to go away. But I will tell you that you will start to live life fully. But the first step is actually confessing your sin and receiving forgiveness. Yeah. But you got to receive it. And then you can start sharing it. And yeah. so I think that's really important that we grasp and understand as we move forward. That's the story of the gospel. Yeah. It's all his work. It's just our witness. It's all him. And he just loves us and saves us despite ourselves. The way that Tim Keller says it, which is brilliant, he says that you are far more broken and messy than you could ever imagine. You are. So whatever you feel all that shame about, there's actually probably worse things. <laughs> you are far more broken than you could ever even, you know, uh, tally or fathom. Yep. But you're far more loved yeah. than you could ever hope or imagine as yeah. well. And so could we start walking and living like we're that loved? And would we then be distributors of that love to people, to people, not to our plans, not to our programs, but to 
people. Yeah. So. Okay, just said that this message really needs to be implanted in us. And we agree. So. Yeah, that's the kingdom of heaven, right? That's how it yeah. starts. Small little seed goes in you. Yeah. Now let's start letting it actually, actually get planted and start yeah. to grow. This is the season of fullness and growth. So let's just be open to it and expecting of it. Let's go and start living here at the CLC. Like that growth has already happened and it's starting to bloom. And let's be excited about the blooming and let's see what, like this would be the perfect environment for God to get all the credit. Your yeah. senior pastor is gone, right? I'm gone. No, of course it should be a mess. No, no. What if the whole story of the gospel was never about some person at the top? It was only about Jesus. And what if this is the season where everything changes and the, you know, the global church starts going, why are we putting so much hope in that guy when it's actually a body of people called to this? Yeah. So I'd love, love, I'm double dog dare you to, to prove that the gospel really is Jesus building it on people, but not on a person, yeah. but on you and on I. Can't wait to see yeah. it happen. I love you all. Well, I think that's probably how we're going to wrap up our 100th episode. So thanks again for being here. On a personal note, thanks for having the, the vision and the desire for overtime. Really excited to see where we are 100 more episode, episodes from now. So Ever. So, episodes. <laughs> That's what I just said. Yeah. Episodes from now. So thanks for joining us. If you have ever any questions you want to ask us related to the message or just in general, you're welcome to email us overtime at clcfamily.church. You can text the church 610-869-2140. You can get it that way. But we love whenever you submit questions and you're part of the discussion. So thanks for joining us. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next week. Love you guys.